Hashtag the greatest game. Welcome to Entrepreneurs Podcast. That's Entrepreneurs spelled entree, like Spanish for between, pre, like our prepubescent sense of humor, and nerds, like the guys around the microphones. Speaking of guys around the microphone, I'm Daniel, the retailer. And I am Kareem, the realtor. This is your space to investigate, explore, discuss, and get to hear from some great examples of entrepreneurs in our area, Central Ohio, and, and beyond. beyond. Dan, so uh, did you hear that Ohio, Columbus, Ohio is ranked as the best city in the world? Funny you should mention it, Kareem. (laughs) (laughs) I wrote this article on LinkedIn last week, and so far, 116,000 people have shared it on Facebook, and it's had 839,000 views. So I guess when Urban Meyer tweets your article and the city of Columbus shares it and then Ohio State shares it on their Facebook page, people tend to read it. (laughs) I was blown away by the reception of it. And honestly, the title of the article was uh, the beginning of actually writing it. I didn't know what I was going to write, but I knew I heard all these crazy, ridiculous rankings over the past few years, like You know, one of them was Columbus was the second manliest city in the country. And I thought somewhere we've got to collect all these rankings and put them in one thing. And after I reviewed them on, I realized you're right. Like Columbus is the best city in the world. And it started a firestorm of conversations on the Internet. Tons of crazy comments, people all over the place asking if if I was on drugs. Um, And obviously uh, it's not a true ranking because this guy uh, on LinkedIn wrote it or um, they they didn't count the cold or the traffic's really bad. First of all, the traffic in Columbus is bad. Anybody who says that lives on a farm somewhere because I've lived in Washington, D.C., Cincinnati. I've spent a lot of time in New York, in Chicago, in San Francisco, in LA, in London. Let me tell you about traffic. When you're living in Washington, D.C. and it takes you an hour and a half to go three miles, that's traffic. If at Columbus, Ohio, during rush hour, it takes 10 extra minutes to add on to your schedule to go from Pickerington to downtown, that's not traffic. Anyway, side note aside, it was really cool to see this like article go crazy viral. Because my other articles get about 100 views. <laughs> yeah, it looks like uh, you really kind of gave them what they wanted to, uh, to read there. People were like, hell yeah, it is. <laughs> O-H. <laughs> I-O. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I don't know why you laughed like that. I mean, I'm really down with the O-H-I-O. <laughs> I love the Buckeyes, and I included actually uh, the best damn band in the land. But even though I didn't include the Ohio State football team as a reason it's one of the best places in the world – Urban Meyer still found it cool and shared it on his Twitter, which got the uh, notice of a ton of people all over um, the inside of the Internet. And people were replying. One said, did you measure the days with unobstructed sunlight? Because that's really important. (laughs) Unfortunately, I didn't find a ranking for unobstructed sunlight as a reason for why it's the best place to live. But I guess he's trying to tell me that Denver is better because they have better sunlight there. Uh, I, I don't I don't know if that argument really makes a lot of sense because if, if that's how you measure a great city, then I think all the greatest cities in the world would be all the ones that are on the equator. <laughs> right? Some people just 
listed their objections by saying "Go Blue," which uh, I assume is not an ad for Chase Bank. It's all but Michigan, actually right? <laughs> a Michigan Wolverine uh, mention. Some people uh, said things like, uh, they literally wrote, you must be on drugs, exclamation point. This is from somebody uh, who says he's a crude oil hauler and Great Lakes petroleum transport. So he obviously knows for sure what drugs feel like. Well, you know, as, as the old saying goes, haters going to hate. That's <laughs> true. Haters there's, gonna hate. I'll tell you, there's one thing that's pretty interesting and kind of strange about uh, Columbus is uh, if you live in a certain neighborhood, it's entirely possible to just completely stay in that neighborhood you have everything you need there and you might not really get to experience all the other uh, areas of it which i think might be important to in order to really appreciate what the city has to offer um i don't know if it's the greatest city in the world but it's it's a great city to live in there's so many businesses that are based here which is sort of it's it's staggering um as far as banks retailers insurance companies you name it yeah there's so there's so much to columbus and really a lot of people have no idea and so one of the reasons why we started this podcast was to highlight a lot of the amazing stuff that's going on in the city and um sort of around the surrounding area some of the things i mentioned on there were specifically related to entrepreneurs uh when you look at Companies like Rev One Ventures, which is a venture capital firm for startups, or Drive Capital, which is uh, founded by some San Francisco, Silicon Valley style startup guys with a $300 million initial fund. Uh, there is a lot of energy in Columbus, you know, recently being listed as the smartest city in the world in 2015 and won the $50 million smart city grant from the federal government. These are big things that are happening for Columbus, and we can really see the development happening when you look downtown and you see those cranes building those huge apartment buildings, all the new restaurants in town. And we're not talking about you know the Olive Garden and Red Lobster moving in. These are entrepreneurs that are born and raised in Central Ohio or imports that are you know starting these small business. I was just the other night at uh, Blind Lady Tavern, which is a really cool. Uh, bar that's right near the courthouse. It's actually the oldest bar in Ohio. It used to be called the Jury Room and was one of Liz Lesner's restaurants. How old is it? Um, I don't know. I mean, you can look it up. It's probably 1700s, 1800s, something like that. And this bar uh, was now taken over by a guy named Seth. And Seth uh, was somebody who had a very successful um, cocktail and bar career in San Francisco and actually moved to Columbus, where uh, some of his family is, even brought his chef from San Francisco to make some serious stuff right here in Columbus, Ohio, and took over the jewelry room and named it Blind Lady Tavern, like the scales of justice. Yeah, it's 1831 is when it opened. 1831. So in a, you know, in a short... So 185 years? Yeah. I mean, this is a serious uh, business that's been here forever, and that location has always been a, a hotbed of energy. And what's really cool is you see across the street these huge apartment complexes and condo complexes going up. So the energy coming to Columbus is fantastic. And my point in the article was not that you know Columbus is the best city in the world, bar none, based on history and everything else, but more based on the potential that it has. All these other cities people mention, whether it's Rome or uh, Paris, they've all 
been great in the past and they've peaked. They had these amazing peaks of their cultural platitudes, but Columbus has so much potential left to become so much better. Well, I looked at it in the same way that someone would say this is the best stock to buy right now. You know, because when you say that and someone comes in and says, oh, no, you know, it's not the best stock in the world. Apple is the best. Yeah, but Apple is 10 times the price. The thing I think is really interesting and great about the city, part of it is really all those people who don't think it is. Because you know what that means? It means low cost of living for us. It means that we have all these businesses opening, all these opportunities being created, and it's still it's still uh, easy to invest. It's still easy to buy a property. It's still easy to live a great life. In, in Paris, Paris is a beautiful city. It has hundreds and hundreds, maybe thousands of years of history. It has you know, some of the most culturally significant buildings and, and art in the world. But why don't you go try to live there for a year on your current salary and then come back and tell me how it's treated you. Right, exactly. It's uh, really cool that since this article came out, there's actually been some validation from the national media as well. Um, the Washington Pace, the Pace Post, the Washington you're, Post. You're thinking, yeah. <laughs> um, which uh, apparently I'm going to turn into make edible glue, ma- macrame or something later. Um, anyway, they just wrote this article called "You're Going Where." Columbus and Andrea Sachs writes this whole article about going and traveling to Columbus as a vacation spot. And she mentions how amazing the whole, um, the whole city is. This is one of my favorite excerpts is the beginning. And she says, I have a terrible confession. I never saw Ohio's capital a weekend in Columbus and not even a glimpse of that rotunda, but I have a very good excuse. I was lost in a 32 room bookstore. Well, that's not entirely true. I was also preoccupied with selecting a writing utensil from a lifestyle store founded by a guy with a beard and an office supply obsession. And I was drinking hand-poured coffee from a cafe named after a Bell and Sebastian song and sizing up turquoise bulldog bookends from a shop in an emerging neighborhood and watching a diner stuff a skyscraper tall burger into his mouth and drinking more coffee, this time fair trade certified beans from Guatemala. And I'm not even a coffee person. I drink tea, except when I'm in Columbus. So this is pretty cool. Obviously, there's mentions of Fox in the Snow and um, the Loft Bookshop and a number of other uh, really cool locations. And most of what she mentions there, by the way, is up and down High Street from Victorian Village all the way to German Village. But obviously, there's much more to Columbus. And some of that information comes out in the Dallas Morning News, thedallasnews.com. And they start their article, Young and Vibrant Columbus, Ohio is a hot spot for millennials. You might think Columbus is another boring seat of government in a flyover country, as uninteresting and flat as the capital without a dome. Well, you would be wrong, period. We liked Columbus before (laughs) it was cool. That's right. So they speak specifically about all the amazing things that make it great. It was named, obviously, one of the best cities for millennials. And obviously, having the university here is a big thing. They mentioned some of our favorites, including the North Market, Jenny's Ice Cream, Hot Chicken Takeover. Um, They talk about the Scioto Mile, which is obviously one of our favorite places. And they talk about strong water, food and spirits, and land grant over in Frankenstein, the Short North Arts District, Gallery Hop, the Columbus Museum of Art. The Hotel Levesque, Columbus Ale Trail, Roosevelt Coffee Shop, really cool place, Fox in the Snow again, 
and um, even mentioned the Drake Meadery. Um, Wolf's Ridge is on there. We actually will be interviewing the brewer there coming up soon. It's just proof positive that everybody's talking about Columbus from Dallas to Washington. They're talking about what makes this little city that can uh, a pretty amazing place. In fact, the best in the world. Right, Kareem? That's right. So we want to hear from you, too. What is your favorite thing about Columbus? Make sure you comment on our blog post that accompanies this. Let's talk about some other stuff. Well, you just said that you uh, recently watched Split. Is that right? Yeah, I love that movie. I saw it um, last night or the night before. Where'd you see it? At the Lenox Town Center, right near OSU's campus. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. AMC. Yep. I used to go to there a lot um, back in the school days. Anyway, what's what did you think? I loved it. Yeah, I am a huge fan of M. Night Shyamalan. My favorite movie that he's ever done is Stuart Little. It's really good. <laughs> um, and for those of you trivia people, literally Google that. M. Night Shyamalan wrote the yeah. Stuart Little script. I don't know if I, if that's a if that's a good pick. Um, no, no, I actually love. Uh, yeah, he actually he put out Stuart Little and The Sixth Sense both in '99. The Sixth Sense had a forty million dollar budget. And Stuart Little had a hundred and thirty-three million dollar well, budget. Well, it's cost a lot of money to make cartoons happen. So, yeah, but uh, the forty million dollar vehicle made six seventy, while the one thirty-three made three hundred. So, I don't know if uh, Stuart Little's a good uh, favorite so to have there, buddy. So, you're saying that in one year, his two movies sold a billion dollars worth of ticket sales? About. Um, well, actually, do they give you the box office for that one year? Or for the entire the run out. of the, um, well, do they give you how much money it made for uh, only, that's that's just ticket sales, right? It's not including um, on demand and oh, I have no idea. DVD. And there was no on demand back then. There was in barely 99. even Netflix in 99. Well, they had, I think VHS stores had delivery services. VHS stores. <laughs> there was DVDs. I had the Sixth Sense on uh, VHS. Anyway. Oh, what a good movie. So... M. Night Shyamalan writes this movie and... And by the way, if you haven't seen it, go see it. We'll, we'll try our best not to spoil it. Here's a crazy story. So how does James McAvoy end up in an M. Night Shyamalan movie? Does he audition for it? This is the story. They were at Comic-Con because obviously... Right, right. Each each movie had its own tent. I, I think I've heard this story. They, they'd have like a little area to like hang they're out. They're trying to sell their movies. So they're at sort of a party in this common area and M. Night sees James McAvoy because he's been playing uh, Professor X. He sees him hanging out with all the X-Men guys. And he comes up to him and he says, hey, you're James McAvoy, but you have a bald head. <laughs> James says, yes, I am. James McAvoy with a bald head. He goes, well, I'd love to talk to you. So they start talking and he goes, listen, I'm going to send you a script. I want you to read the whole thing, which is crazy, obviously, because M. Night doesn't share his scripts with many people, let alone the entire script. But I guess for an actor... If you're reading a script like this, which involves abducting three girls, uh, you want to make sure you know what the hell the ending is so that you actually feel like it's something you, you can support and be uh, the, the star of. So he ended up loving the script and accepted it without even talking to his agents. And, you know, I think Hollywood doesn't really love M. Night Shyamalan right now because he's had some movies that weren't so commercially successful and they sure, threw him sure. in like the middle of a January release. But well, he has, I think he has one of the lowest rated 
um, movies on Rotten Tomatoes ever, which is uh, The Last Airbender, which uh, I, I understand is based off of a, um, a show, a cartoon anime sort of thing. I haven't, haven't seen it, but um, in my book, it's been 50-50 in terms of, you know, good ones and just kind of, eh. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree, but I do love the way um, his, obviously, his movies have twists and uh, surprise endings and things like that. They, they really keep the suspense going because I, I'm constantly thinking, what's going to be the twist? What's going to be the twist? And you get to it and it blows your mind. That's kind of like what this movie was like. And you get to see James McAvoy play this character who has dissociative identity disorder, which is also known as multiple personalities mm-hmm. disorder. Um, and... What's remarkable is the way he's able to transform himself. There's a scene in the movie where he's yelling at one of these girls and his face contorts into these different personalities all at once. And sort of the personalities are fighting for um, the right to sort of have the light shine. Drive, yeah. To drive the body of uh, the actual person named Kevin. Um, And it's really cool to see... I don't know anybody who has this disorder, but it's something that clearly they're uh, they're trying to talk and raise awareness of in this movie. That these are people that are really interesting. They even cite some studies in the film, which I looked up, that involve where different personalities have different blood pressure. Or right, one of his personalities, I think, was a diabetic. Right, and it's wild to see that. But you know, M. Night Shyamalan always throws in some really cool stuff. Uh, to make it even more interesting, things you didn't know, right? And I, I'm not, um, I'm not entirely convinced that that is experienced in real life. I think that's where the kind of supernatural aspect of the movie comes in, where um, you know, can your body actually change mm-hmm. if um, your brain's chemistry is changing? But all in all, I think this was one of the um, certainly coolest movies of uh, this year i've been looking forward to it since they announced it uh, last year the, co- the coolest movies of this year in the in the 40 days this year has been so far right they i think <laughs> I, I saw the trailer for it in november if uh, if that's right and uh one of the things was oh hey like he's going back to just huge twists and at those couple of months i was just really combing through the internet trying to find it and I haven't I did I was not successful and I'm glad I didn't because it was um, much more satisfying to watch anytime somebody says combing through anything all Star Wars Spaceballs Spaceballs where <laughs> Rick Moranis that's is, what I was thinking is like directing them to comb the desert and they're literally carrying huge combs that Rest say like peace. Sally's beauty supply on it but it's nice to to see him go back to uh, kind of smaller budget movies. This movie, it, it had a $9 million budget. Um, before it, last year was the, um, he made The Visit, which had a $5 million budget. And I think it's a lot easier to take risks and engage in sort of passion projects when the money on the line is relatively a lot less than, um, let's say, something with $200 million on the line where you really start to lose a lot of the uh, autonomy. Yeah, definitely. I think that what's really surprising is that this movie came out the same weekend that uh, Ben Affleck's new movie came out. What was that one called? It was like a gangster movie. Uh, from this year? Oh, 
shoot, it's something like this is how we do it. It's <laughs> <laughs> not called that. Li- live by night. Oh is yeah, that yeah, what yeah. It was called? yeah, that's right. I wonder how he's feeling since his brother is really getting a lot of recognition with uh, Manchester by the Sea. Right. And, you know, I think obviously the thing about Manchester by the Sea is you put, you know, an Affleck and a Damon together in a sad movie about the East Coast and voila, awards come flowing. That's kind of the deal. Right. Ben and Casey, if you guys are listening, uh, reach out to us. We'd love to hear what you're going through. (laughs) so anyway so we talked about i don't know how much split has gotten so far do you know because office yeah because the box office currently for 146 million so 146 million it was made a nine million dollar budget the converse of that is live by night released the same weekend had a 65 million dollar budget which is still small and has made ten million (laughs) dollars on like twice as many screens um, M. Night Shyamalan, I'm looking through all his um, awards and nominations. He has been nominated for so many Razzies. The Golden Raspberry Award for Worst Director, Worst Picture, Worst Screenplay, Worst Film. And he's, he's, he's won a few of them, but he's, yeah, he has been a repeat offender on those. So it's nice to see him um, kind of turn the ship around and kind of take risks you know, it's good to see that same um, the same guy that made The Sixth Sense and Unbreakable. And Signs, let's not forget about Signs, The Village. Signs was weird. I mean, the twist at the end was that the aliens were killed by tap water. Right, yeah. Spoilers. The I think the most disappointing twist for me was the one for The Village. Because I remember 2004, I saw that in the theaters. And the the trailers were like, oh my god, there's these huge giant monsters and these people who are living, you know, in a very antiquated uh, society and they're just out of touch. Are they out of touch? Is this or is this in the past? What's going on? And, you know, it's just it was just a huge letdown. And I think that was uh, the beginning of his uh, What was the twist infamy. in the village? The twist was that the those monsters were just the suits that the people who lived in that village would put on to scare people from leaving the village because they wanted to live in this uh, society that was kind of closed in and didn't really have access to internet, Wi-Fi, uh, news, what's going on in the world. And one of the leads in that movie eventually gets the guts to like run away from the monsters and they just kind of come out through these bushes. They come out on the other side. It's just a highway with a bunch of trucks driving by. No way. Yeah, it, was, it was such a letdown. That's uh, Bryce Dallas Howard. That's right. Ron, Ron Howard. Black Mirror. Mm-hmm. Man, I I love the stuff she's in. She's doing really well right now. Do you now. like redheads? Well, I love one. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out. Um anyway, I I think that uh, Did you see did you see the happening? What's happening, guys? It's me, Mark Wahlberg. No. That's that's one of the ones M Night Chablon is infamous for. So What in the hell is the happening? Mark Marky Mark is a science teacher. He's like, Come on guys, let's talk let's for, by learn the way, about science. For those of you um other younger millennials, Mark Wahlberg used to be a rapper Marky named Marky Mark, Mark <laughs> and also grew up in near the same neighborhood as the Afflecks. Um <laughs> And his brother, Donnie Wahlberg, the actor, also was in New Kids on the Block at the same time. <laughs> so if you um, want to check out Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch, that is 
some good vibrations right there. Right. Um, the the story for that one is that the trees, I believe, were were trying to kill everyone. Um, something in the air where uh, the, the trees are releasing this airborne neurotoxin that's causing people to commit mass suicide. And it was just, it was very weird. And I don't, I don't know if, is that where the story was supposed to go? Or was there some changing there? Was there some um, control from the production company? It was, it was just a piece of garbage. I mean, Mark Wahlberg, Zoe Deschanel, and John Leguizamo, like some casting director was a complete idiot. Those three people sound horrible together. <laughs> like what kind of chemistry could possibly come from those three people? Right. I, I would never have guessed that Zoe Deschanel and Mark Wahlberg would be in a movie With together. John Leguizamo. Jo- good old Johnny Legs. That's his nickname on the street, <laughs> apparently. Anyway, listen, guys, if you have favorite movies out there, let us know. Hit us up on Twitter at Entrepreneurs Podcast or on uh, Instagram as Entrepreneurs <laughs> PC. And if you want to Google search us, make sure you add podcast in your search. Don't just look up Entrepreneurs. Because I don't know why this is going on, but if you look up just entrepreneurs, it just gives you some weird shit that has nothing to do with us. So entrepreneurs podcast, okay? And like the great Dan Pena says, show me your search and I'll show you your fucking future. (laughs) I think that's a good place to stop. (laughs) All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. You are listening to Entrepreneurs Podcast. This has been Daniel the Retailer. And Kareem the Realtor. Have a great one.